Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the real talk. It's not just sports. We're traveling through topics and thoughts of all sorts. The news, the current events, what's going on. This is more than a podcast. This is knowledge for underground radio. True sports talk. We give it to you straight. It's more than just sports. We take it all in and give you the whole story. Ladies and gentlemen, Shariah, Rob, and Corey. You can tune in and listen to what we're saying. Or you can call in and hop in the conversation. We never fake moves. So, Soraya, as a woman, as a business person, as a businesswoman, rather, you know, you have your own company. What advice would you give to the young female mentors out there, such as yourself, who said, you know what? I don't need to wear stockings all the time. I could put on some pants, okay? What you going to say to them? Hey, put on your pants. Put on your pants and, and, and get out and do it. But, you know, if you're going to put that skirt on and you're going to, you know, you're going to wear that V-neck top with that push-up bra, you, you know, you got to know what you're getting into. You know, pay oh, attention. Man. Keep your eyes open. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm not knocking anybody that wants to go into that type of field and, and wants to do the, wants to do that, you know, has aspirations to you know, be a broadcaster, journalist, whatever it is. But, you know, like like we just said, you gotta know what you're getting into. And, you know, every everything that that seems good is not good for you. So, you know, you gotta figure out what you're willing to compromise, you know, because it is in essence it is a compromise. You know, I don't give a damn what nobody say. It's a compromise. Because you're you have to be a certain way. You gotta fit that mold. And if you don't fit that mold, your ass is out. We get the next broad in here. Right. That's yep. gonna do. That's gonna fall in line and do what we want. Fall right in so, line. You know, you need to come up with a plan for yourself. You know, hell, you could say, hey, I'm a, I'm a just, you know, I'm gonna just wear the V neck for like four or five years until my first contract is up. Then I'm gonna do something else. Hey, you could do that too. You gotta know. You gotta know what it is, man. And and you know, it's just that's just that's how it is. You know, and unfortunately, but. You got to get a plan for yourself. You know, you want to put the pants on, put the pants on, you know, get your entrepreneurship on. It's, I don't know. It's, it could be a number of things. I think, you know, for sports in general, you know, you take a list of all of the sports that's out there, like basketball, pro basketball, you know, in a league that's well over 50% African-American. I don't know why there aren't any more, any, any, you know, a big uh, selection of black coaches, you know, it's just, I can't figure it out. Um, in particular, what always comes to my mind when I think about black head coaches in the NBA, I think of Patrick Ewing, always right. comes to my mind. Now, personally, I'm not a Nick fan, but I, I like Patrick Ewing. And for the life of me, I can't understand why this man does not have a job as a head coach. And, you know, you take players like you have ex-players, Nate McMillan, you have um, 
you know, and Derek then you have Fisher. Derek <laughs> Fisher. You have people like people like that. That's just Jason Kidd just walking into a job. So it's it's something something's not right. Something is really not right. Um, and I'm not. I don't know what it is in pro basketball. You know, in particular, um, baseball is just sad. I mean, with the exception of off the top of my head, um, uh, the coach at Seattle, I think Lloyd McClendon, and then okay. you had Ron Washington in Texas, but he's no longer there. So, and Dusty Baker, right? Dusty still in Cincinnati? No, he ain't. But I, I don't think he is. But he was like, he was yeah, there, he was there for a while. But who else is there? That's it. So, what's going on? So you your know, mates, baseball, what, happened, what happened to Willie Randolph? He he got you know, to the next let him go. Yeah, he, he right. yeah yeah that's true. I, I mean, I felt bad for him. I did because I'm like, man, I thought they did they did Willie dirty, you know. But it's just after after him, then what? You know, nowhere even in the farm system, I don't even see black coaches. I don't see anything from double A, triple A, nothing. I don't see black coaches. So right. I don't, I don't understand. I'm not, I'm not. Football is even less. Like you said, the ones that you that you mentioned, uh, Corey. That's in, you know, in the NFL. But I, where are they? What's the problem? I'm, I'm looking at the uh, Tide Sport, the uh, TideSport.org. Uh, this is Richard Lapchick. He does the uh, the diversity report. And I'm looking at Major League Baseball right now. This is a this is a quote from his report. According to Major League Baseball, of the 527 front office employees, nine percent are African American. Now talk to me. 527 people, nine percent of that. You know, I'm not a math whiz, so <laughs> I'm going to say that that's roughly maybe about fifty. Uh, Forty nine. Listen, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, out of five hundred and twenty seven people, nine percent are African American. That's in that we talking about front office. We ain't they don't have no owners, so Right, right. It almost and, just sounds like it's I don't know. It's like they're there to fill a quota and that's it. You know, let's, let's just get the minimum amount of, you know, here, let's just sprinkle them in so that they can't say we didn't we didn't hire any. But that's about it. Let's keep it to a minimum. You know, it's it because it doesn't make sense. You mean to tell me there is no qualified black coaches in these pro sports and, and, and even college sports, the top teams? There's none at all. Come on. Right. And then I'm but see, you know, now I know that we always, you know, sidestep, you know, the race issue or uh but when you look at the numbers, sometimes the numbers don't lie. Like there's a reason that the, the most of the players are uh, African American, black, whatever you want to call them, but the front right. office, front office positions are not. And I was on the same report on the tidesports.org, and they had a, a section on you know racism in sports, and it was this little brief snippet on the last two minutes of NBA games: the history of racism, money, and boredom. It says here that the final two minutes of NBA basketball games have long been the topic of controversy. In the late 1970s, rather than appreciate the differences between the fast pro game and the pre-shot clock college game, some writers use racial stereotypes to explain the differences, such as selfishness, coasting, and complacent, and lack of effort. 
In reality, blaming players for not trying until the end was just cold for racism. During this time, the team owners could justify racism because the bottom line was the most important thing, and they need racist money. Now, if that's the 70s, do, don't we still hear that today? Selfishness, coasting, <laughs> complacent? What, don't yeah, we still not hear playing that? the right way. You don't play the right way. You're not. You're right. You're not, you're right. Code words. Right. It's tiring. Yeah. It's, 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 it's tiring on so many levels. And, you know, and we duck it. You know, I don't, I'm not going to say us three personally, but I know that every time that if we get into a discussion or a chat group or anything like that and race comes up, it, people just duck it. The, a lot of people sidestep it. There are some who deal with it. But it's just been my experience that in this country, people are very uncomfortable talking about race for whatever reason. It's a, you right. know, it's a lot of personal things, but people are just uncomfortable talking about it. They want to act like it doesn't exist in sports. It exists in society, but it doesn't exist in sports. That makes no sense. Yeah, because you got to understand, you you got you got white fans cheering for black athletes. So if I'm a white and I cheer for a black athlete, how can I be prejudiced? Uh, you understand? So it, that's what that's basically there. That's that's the thought behind that. So how can I? You know, it's plenty of that, but. As, as soon as that athlete do something wrong, then it's like, oh, I ain't like his, I ain't like his ass anyway. Da, da, da. You're not a good role model. You, you know, you're selfish. That's when those words come. As soon as you right. don't do what they, as soon as you don't do what they like or what they want, then you're not a team player. Exactly. You're, 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 you're a me first guy. You're, you know, yeah. or you know, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, we saw it. It's, it's, you know, it's still well, there. So that's why you can't. That's why. That's why you can't really be mad at players like Kobe, uh, LeBron, Melo, thinking business first. Well, you gonna pay me? I want my money. Yeah, I want my money. I want my. Y'all don't care if I'm 38. Yeah. Damn right. I want you gonna pay me to sell these seats. Yep. Yeah? I'm gonna exactly. say, you're gonna pay. Me. You know. So yeah, they gotta get it because then you gotta figure if you're gonna pay me. Hey, if you're paying me over 20 million a year. For five years, you know how much money you making me. Exactly. I'm not. They, they're not going to pay. That, they're not going to pay them that kind of money unless they making money. Right. So of course. You know, so it's yeah. a billion dollar industry. Yep. I mean, you got to look at the dirty tactics they use. I mean, look at look at what Jerry Jones did to Des Bryant before he gave him the money. Yeah, he, he basically was trying to strong arm. Man, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna put a tape out showing you punch some lady in Walmart. You know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> they do anything. They do true, anything. Man. Yo, we got any way to get around place. it. Yeah, keep you in your place. You know what I'm saying? So, and they don't want black coaches because you know. I mean, I don't. To me, I don't know how Marvin Lewis keeps his job, but that's a whole other. Oh story. man. Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> but, but anyway, you. But you know, he's he's been doing it. He's been doing it. Yeah. He's, been, he's kept his job. He's been doing it. So, you know, congratulations to him. Whatever he has Marvin on knows the owner, somebody. He exactly. knows somebody. Whatever, he's got, on, whatever he's got on the owner, keep it going, bro. Keep it going. Because he'd have been fired. How many times have he lost in the first round of the playoffs? Come on, he'd have been got fired by now. Yeah, there's no way they keep it around. None. Ain't no way in hell. Exactly. You know, so... Yeah, this is, I mean, it's, it's definitely racism. That's for sure. When you got, when the NFL has to make rules that say you have to interview a black person, 
a minority person first or make sure he's a candidate, something's wrong. Something right. is definitely right. wrong when you when when you're forced to have to do that. That's yeah. you know, it shouldn't even have to be to that right now. It shouldn't even have to be at that level, but it is. That's just let you know you still living in those times. You know, the right. years and days and things may have changed, but the the mindsets of people with old money haven't changed. And that's the bottom line. Old money don't give a shit about new money. So they don't care. You know? Exactly. And they show you yep. that and they'll show you that every time. Every time. You know, so they I mean just listen to what the Clippers owner said a few years back. Right. You know, that 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 that, that was real talk. That's real talk. He he only said what he uh -huh. would say amongst his friends and things like that. You know, look at Danny Ferry, those emails. These are the things they say, but it just happened to be they got caught. Exactly. So when they get caught, when they get caught now, it's like, oh no, I'm not a racist, I'm not prejudiced. Oh, I was the Duke. Me and Lou out there, we good. No, we not. Yeah, right? yeah. We can't Duke, be ninety nine percent white. Yeah, you know, look at the Atlanta owner. He like, man, I can't make no money. It's too many. It's too many black people here. White people don't want to come. They don't want to come down here. No, right. they don't want to come down here because your product ain't no good. Right. They don't. They go yeah. to. They, you know what I mean? Your, your product ain't no good. Bottom line, if your product good, they gonna be there. So. You know, I mean, it's, it's bigger issues. It's, it's, it's definitely prejudice. It's a whole lot of things going on. So, okay. I mean, you know. Okay, okay. So when you think about it like this, okay, we know the racism is there. And we know that it's hard for us to uh, to move up, you know, at the administrative level. But we're major players at the playing level. You know, we get paid like a, like a job. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. take ten million. I know. Listen, I don't make I don't make millions. So to try to equate what I do with a multi-million dollar athlete, it really doesn't work. But when you're talking dollars and cents, we're just talking about a billionaire paying a millionaire, a millionaire paying a thousandaire, and down on the line. So if you're the entertainment piece, you know, like in the circus, people come out and they watch you, and you're the lowest paid in terms of the playing field. You know, because that's a high level. Right. You're not part of the. You're not part of the concession stands and things. Those are the people who are making money for the owner. You're just right. there to run, jump, uh, you know, tap dance because that's the culture. Tap dance up the up the sideline. Yeah. You know, flop flop around and, and make noise. You know, squawk. You know, the ones who just talk the whole game but don't do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just uh, you're just a pawn in mm -hmm. a, in a bigger game. But for those who do want to try to make it in sports and try to overlook and overcome the racism, it's very difficult. I mean, it's a roadblock, you know, and it's one that, you know, we just tend to ignore. Like, but how can you ignore the facts, the numbers? Like, you got a league with 475 players, you know, roundabouts, and uh, at least 300 of them are black, but you only got six black coaches. Yeah, six black head coaches. You got one owner. I mean, in football, you know, we're talking about four head coaches, and you know, foot um, in football, college football, that's a straight up plantation model. I mean, even though, come on, like, you know, you just you working them for three years. I mean, when they get out the league, they broke in three years. That's ridiculous. Definitely. How is that not? How is that not slavery? <laughs> 
Yeah. How is that not equatable to slavery? And I'm not talking or indentured servitude, whatever politically correct term you want to use. The bottom line is, it's wrong. When billionaires, they make billions on the Super Bowl, and you ain't getting no money, no real money. So I'm not saying, listen, I'm not on the, I'm not on Josh Smith's side or Latrell Sprewell. You, your ass made a hundred million. I think you could take care of your family. All right? right. I'm not. I don't feel sorry for them. But what what I am saying is that if they wanted to make a move up into the front office realm, very limited for them. Right. And I know, um, and especially for for first time head coaches, I think since 1995, there have been five non-player black coaches that got hired with no experience, like first time head coaches since 1995. There've been five. But if you look at it, right? If you look at it, the reason why a lot of these players—I mean, I, I'm looking—I'm looking at it like a lot of these players. The reason why they're not getting these jobs, you know, a lot of them are. You, you have sorry to say, they're not the brightest light bulb. So you know what I'm saying? Some I mean, of them yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Bright. There's that. I mean, yeah. I mean, because I'm looking at Michael. I'm looking at Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is a great player, but he's a terrible owner. You know what I'm saying? Right. He's a terrible. He, he makes bad decisions. Like, and he doesn't have the right people around him, so he, he has a bunch of yes men, so he makes right. bad decisions. So, you know what I'm saying? When, but when you look at people like Billy Kings and, like, the, you know, the ones that's presidents and things like that, the guy in Toronto, you know, a lot of those dudes are polished, educated, so, you know, that's, that, that, that's the word, educated, you know, and they four years of college and things like that. You know, a lot of them other cats, you know, you, you came out early. You didn't go back, didn't finish up nothing. Right. Very so, true. You know, you don't have, then, you know, like, you know, you look at your man, your, your money management skills. Charles Freewell left early. I mean, Josh Smith never went to college. Not to say that college is going to help you be, make you, you know, keep your money. But, I mean, education does have some value to this, too. So it's like you, you, you do have to have some type of knowledge and know how to make right sentences and talk correctly as far as you right, can't right. talk slang when you're handling business. So there's a lot of things too that you know if they want to see this this move, you gotta start polishing up yourself. You know, you got you gotta cats gotta become more polished. So, right. You know, right. yeah. And even leading toward the end of even toward leading, you know, the end of their careers is that these players are still in that mindset. Like, you take somebody like Josh Smith, who, you know, is, eh, you know, got a couple more years left, you know, at, at best. So, you know, you take a guy like him where you know you didn't go back to school or whatever, you didn't go to school. So the thing about it is why not on the side, in addition to you working on your game, working on getting some broadcast experience, getting some, you know, things like that. You have the platform to be able to do it. So to me, there's no reason why you can't. Like take, take for instance, um, what's the dude that just retired? Um, Ryan, uh, he's on first take a lot of times now um, from, from the Steelers. And now he's doing pieces on, on first take all the time. He just retired. So he's on there all, constantly, constantly. And you're like, well, here's a guy who was – Decent, had a pretty decent career, but you know nothing, you know out, outlandish and crazy. But look at what he's done. He's went, 
got into a got into that sort of got into that side, got into the business side of being an analyst. Not just, you know, it's like after a while, we can't always blame, oh, well, I didn't have the the, the opportunity. I didn't have this, I didn't have that. You're playing in pro sports. There's no reason why you should not be able to get into the front office side, to get into the coaching side. You know, look at Tyron Lou, not the best player, but look at where he is now. So, I mean, come on, man. You know, you got to use what you have. You use what you're given. You know, you're a, one of 450 guys in the NBA that have a job, that got a job, that played there, that, that, that's done that at the, at the height of your sport. So you mean to tell me you can't do anything else beyond that? You should be transitioning into that. Look at Kenny Anderson. He, he found out the hard way. He had to go back to school. He wanted right. to coach, but they won't give him a job. That's why he had to go back to college, finish up, and get his degree so he can yeah. go and can try to be a coach now. You know, so yeah, it does come back. You got to have plans. You got to do something. Or if not, you better be saving the money. You got to save the money. If you know you ain't got no other plans, if you don't want to do nothing else, you got to yeah. save the money. So, you know, yeah. now a person like Kenny Anderson, he lost his bread. You know, I mean, this dude signed two good contracts back when right. there was no cap. So, <laughs> at the end, you know what I'm saying? If you ain't got no money, man, listen. It's crazy, so, yeah. Now he has to go back to college just to do what he loves to coach. And he left in two years. And you know he wasn't going to class when he was at Georgia Tech. <laughs> right, right. You don't go to class in your second semester. First, second you know semester, mean? it's a wrap. Yeah, you know we ain't doing that. Once you decide you're going pro, you're like, man, I ain't coming back. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Up the class. I mean, you know that's how it is. I think Carmelo Anthony wrote a book, and, you know, it's that's, that's a little, I don't know if he said that per se. I mean, but he did document some stuff in his book, you know, about uh, his time at Syracuse basketball. So you got to look at what he book. did, though. He gave, yeah. he donated a building to Syracuse with his name and money. Yeah. So they always yeah. going to take care of him up there. Oh, yep, yep. They always going to take care of him. So his kid going to go there for free. Yep. His family going to go to Syracuse if they want for free. You know, that's so true. That's, true. That, that's how you make, that's how you make strong moves too. You know, you, right. you know, I ain't coming back to college, but I know I'm open some doors because I got some money. Exactly. Exactly. And, that, and that's what he did. He got he set up the, the library or whatever's in his name or the gym and you know, donated money. Derek Coleman. Derek Coleman, oh he blew all his people say he blew all his money. Okay. But he's constantly at Syracuse donating money. And they constantly take care of him, taking care of him. You understand? Yep, very true. The culture, Georgetown, same way. You don't never hear really Georgetown players going broke because they they got David Falk. Remember David Falk? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Agent of agents. Exactly. Agent of <laughs> so, you know, people in Georgetown, them, them cats, you ain't going to hear Alonzo Morning say he broke. You're going to hear Matumbo, Ewing. People like, oh, Iverson broke. No. You got to remember, David Falk was his was Iverson agent when he signed a deal with Reebok that mm. put that money up for him. Yeah. So, that's part of that's John, that's John Thompson. But that's John Thompson taking, making sure his players are making good decisions, really standing behind his black players. Where right. other coaches like your Calipari and all them other cats, they ain't gonna do that. They, you gone? All right, you gone. You know, 
I would love to know how many times he, he he called Derrick Rose to see how good he was doing and when you're gonna get back on the court if you need my you wanna come down. You know, those they those type of coaches, they use you for what they want and keep it moving. And that's right. what and they, and, they, the exactly. and they continue to use your name going forward. I had Derrick Rose, I had Brendan this. Big name, you know, you're gonna be in that line. You're gonna be the next this one. Yep. So I do. I see. I know. I know you use you use Kyle I understand, Rob. That was a good example. Yes, he is the what you want to call him. He is the prime minister for the one and done kids. Okay, I understand. <laughs> yeah. like we he's, all the new, he's the new. He's the new Jerry Tarkanian, man. He's the new Jerry, <laughs> man. Whoa, he gets all the players. He gets all. He gets all the players, and you know he do whatever he got to do to keep them there long enough to help him win games. And he get rid of them. That's he got a high success did. rate, though. Huh? He has a he, he got a high success rate for getting his players to the pros, though. He, dude. I mean, Jerry, Jerry got players. Get that bag of Jerry got players to the pros, baby. He and did. They no, good. Come on, and talk about another level. I love you know what I love Tarkanian because he was he was down he was against the establishment he knew how much money was that was being generated and they was right. harassing him man he was getting kids up in UNLV he was trying to get them you know like yo I, I can make you go pro from here he, he he treated people like a family I mean he sued the NCAA and won because they was really harassing right. sending people yeah. to his practices and all that nonsense like he won a battle. He broke down from the NCAA battle. I mean, if you really want to get into it, because the stress took a toll on him. Um, but somebody like when you brought up Alonzo Morning earlier, Rob, and I was saying that Alonzo, he won't, he won't go broke. You know why? Because he had, remember, he had the kidney failure, right? right. You know, the kidney, the kidney failure really comes from, and it's, they ain't really talking about it like that. Sean Elliott had the same problem too. It's coming from the mm-hmm. shots, the shots that they get. You know the the painkillers yeah. and all that like pain they they cause kidney problems. Right. So I remember when I remember when Alonzo was going on his little uh, tirade when he was still playing. And he was he was speaking out on it, and then you ain't hear about it no more. You know he got his yeah, new kidney. Yeah, they, 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 they shut him down. They shut him down. Like, we gonna take care of you. You a heat for life. Don't worry about it. We gonna make sure everything right. Come on back. We got Shaq here. Stay behind Shaq. Win you a championship. You're going to go out and you're going to go to the Hall of Fame. And that's what he did. And they taking care of him. Now he's working in the front office. Everywhere you see, he, 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 Pat Riley, right here, man. He right there. That's right. That's right. right. He's right there with Pat Riley. That's true. Everything. Hands up. up. Looking good. Yeah, I love complexion. Shape up. Little Trying to teach, but we're not preaching. We- I'm gonna let Rob lead off with this. 
you fight off your own hand <laughs> that you chew, right? So we're talking about the saga of Jason Whitlock. We're talking about a guy who, 48-year-old man, born in 1967, mm. knows better. He knows he's from the Midwest, and he's seen a lot. Uh, first of all, he's a uh, sports writer at a high level. He worked at Fox, worked at ESPN. Like, you're working at institutions who whose sole goal is to make billions of dollars and uh, control the images that you see uh, of of black people, you know, and, and that's just what it is. Like Walt Disney, you know, it doesn't get any more uh, high-level exposure than that. I mean, Walt Disney cartoons, when you go and you look back at some of the things that you see now, it was very uh, racist overtone in uh, Walt Disney cartoons and things like that. And nobody, you know, and some of that goes over people's heads because they don't even understand yeah. what the racial message is. They, they don't understand the cartoon and the visual messages. Right. And, uh, you know, they don't understand that all the time. But Miss, Mr. Whitlock, uh, being involved in sports, he should know better. And he wanted to create basically the counterpart to, uh, what's my man, Bill Simmons? Like, he wanted to do a black grand right, well, yeah. okay, oh, okay, so if you want right. to talk about Basically, he, he what he's trying to do is, you know, we ha- just like we have a show, we touch on race, culture, sports, and we combine it. He wants to talk about that, but work under the umbrella of Walt Disney. Brother, man, you're smoking. Okay? Because they ain't trying to hear that. They're not trying to hear all of that. They just they're want the money, trying, man. They're they not trying to hear it, but, but, but the point of the matter is for this dude is, how you gonna talk about how you was expecting to get writing when forget what forget the fact that hey, no, forget Rob. the fact, forget the fact I that, hear, Rob. that you uh that you know that you didn't you you saying that well you didn't get no writers or they now from the new article that you just gave me tonight saying that you know that's not how the story goes. But there's plenty of stories out there about Whitlock and the things he said about his own race and the things he said you're talking about, you're going to talk about culture. How many of those sports writers who think that was black was going willing to give up their job to be a part of something that you when they look at you like, oh, man, you're a, you're a time bomb waiting to explode. I ain't going to put my career in the hands of you. When you're not, you may be ready. You're a good journalist. You can't take that from him. He does deserve, but he's also a clown. He, he says things that just that's just ridiculous. And I mean, he shoots down his own culture. He shoots down the black culture every time he gets a chance. So, how many of those writers you thought was really going to leave to come join your show? Huh? Right. None. They're not going to leave. They got to, you know, they wasn't going to come put their thing on the line with you. No. Yeah, you had a dream. You have a vision. And this is the show you wanted to do. Well, guess what? Like he said, you should have, you should have, you should have found a way to do that show without Disney money. Because they were, they gave you an opportunity to try to make a show, but of course they were going to have their hands involved in the show. Of you course, were going to be able course. to talk about. You may to talk about certain topics as long as you continue to do what you normally do, bash the young black culture. Yeah, you can get a show on that. So that's that's controversy. You gonna make black people mad. So yeah, you know. Right. And, yeah, they love that. But they got, they but they got that. a guy for that. They got Stephen A. Smith for that. They don't need him. Nah, one. but we're like, we're like. Stephen A. is more like a, he's more like a, he's a liberal, he's more of a liberal. 
We're kind okay. of more like a conservative. You know, He's like a, Stephen A's like a liberal masquerading as like a conservative liberal yeah. at times. Like he, he, exactly. he waffles a lot. He waffles exactly. a lot. Exactly. And when you know, Lock is more, he like, he don't like nothing. He blame rap for everything. He's a rap guy. Right. Hip hop is why sports is bad. He kids don't know that. You know what I mean? Well, guess what, Whitlock? The same, the same culture you bashing. Now you want to do stories about them, and guess what? Those young writers don't want to work with you. So that's your fault. So how? But how did he fault. think that that was going to work? How? How? Like when you think about it, and you, and you put that together in your head, how did you think that that was going to work out? Considering how how he's going about doing things, because I've seen him on um. Uh, what's the show with the the sports reporters on Sundays? Mm-hmm. I've seen him on there countless countless times. And they let him on black there? culture. Yeah. yeah, he was on wow. there. But I've seen him a, a number of times. You know, he's talking about how black culture did this and black culture exactly. and, and, and you know and and so when you think about it, how did you think that these writers were going to give up their their jobs at the Chicago you know Tribune and all this other stuff and the L A Times, the Dallas Times to come right for you? And you've done, you know what I mean? How, who who's gonna put their name behind you, considering who you are and what you stood for? So you know, especially with Disney, they not they're not gonna let you do that. You must be out your mind. Now, if you got a little bit of how he wanted to go about it, then yeah, because you know, of course, you can sit there and talk about the black culture and put them down, and that'll work just just that's fine. What they that's what's going that's, on with the yeah. media now, exactly. And, so and that's, a, that's what they wanted them to do. Yeah, he 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 just he really played himself on that one. I, but I he's been know doing that. So what, what what was his real issue? Nobody, like y'all said, nobody wanted to come work for this dude because it basically, at the end of the day, he 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 acts like an ass clown. Yeah, I mean because right. he says one right. thing. And then, you know, he comes off base with another opinion. Oh, well, you know, uh-huh. if it wasn't for rap music, you know, nothing. listen, right, let me, I got to, Rob, you brought this up uh, maybe last week. How many HBCUs did he go to? Come on, man, check this out. If you wanted, if you really wanted to do a show from the ground roots like that, then you go get you some, you go to these colleges, go get you some of these good writers, these young writers, get them internships, get them grades for it. You go out there, you tutor them on how to become better writers and create what you want. But if you think, right. if you were going to go flash, he thought he was going to go flash Disney money around and go snatch the best people in the best positions. That's no, right. they're not going to do that. They're not leaving to go work with you. They know, they right. hear through, through the grapevine. Uh, we don't know if ESP is going to pick that show up. Right. I'm not putting my name and on they, that. And they, and, they know how, and they know how he moves. So if all I exactly. need to know is how you move, if I'm working under you, and I'm, I'm going and, and I'm potentially looking to switch jobs. The first thing I want to know is how you move. So how if I don't moving? like how you move, and then come on, how how is this supposed to work? How am I going to leave my job to come work up under you? So you know, he's, just, he's he's a, he's an idiot. He's an idiot for that. You know, and he he ain't got nobody to blame but but himself. Nobody to blame but yourself. So basically, what what, what he's looking for. He he is trying to take his ESPN money, the checks that he's getting from them, right? And he's trying to create a platform like what we're doing and put it on ESPN. I could tell you right now, I don't know what back room he was smoking in because, you know, I know he came on Kyle and Kyle heard and talked about how much weed he smoked when he was 26 
you know, oh, excuse me, he had a 26-year-old female roommate and all that stuff, you know, when he first went to California. Um, I don't know how much weed he smoked, but you must be smoking if you think you was going to do this type of show on a Disney station like ESPN. There's no way. It. I don't care how much stuff we talk about on here, how much teaching we do, or how much expanding we do. When we take it, you know, uh, live and have video and people can see our face and see our expressions and, and, and see PowerPoint presentations and all of that stuff, like, we, we're going to go there. I mean, because we're just getting started. There's no way in hell that any of the big six uh, media outlets are going to take on this type of show because we're talking about the culture, counterculture, because the culture in media is not black. Okay, it's white. It's mm-hmm. white women too. Right. White women. Right. In reality, I know white men run it, but, but white women manage it, and they up in there. And so your black ass, all right, Jason Whitlock, your black ass, who talk mm-hmm. out of both sides of his mouth, you're not gonna use our checks on our time to talk about your shit. Unless you're going to be doing what you're supposed to be doing, bashing the culture. You know, keep talking about how, you know, maybe a Jay-Z song contributed to somebody, you know, not listening to their coach. Some wild stuff that he be trying to tie together. Wow. Because I'll read a Whitlock article and I'll be like, all right. What are you talking about? He'll he'll rope me in maybe in a in the first paragraph or so because I, I, I'm like, oh, okay, I see where you're going. And then by the time I get to the middle, I'll be like, yo, what the hell is Jason talking about? And I'll be ready to Ooh. email him or something. I'll be like, yo, I ain't wasting my time emailing this dude, man, because dude, that dude, it don't make no sense, man. Walking, that dude has brought this on himself. He thought that he was going to go and flash that big money to these good yep. to these people with, who had jobs and be like, I can pay you more come work with me. But they didn't they see the vision. Me no more. None of it. They didn't see that vision. <laughs> they didn't see the vision. And they yeah, they wasn't nope. gonna see the vision with his name on See that's the thing. When you when when, when you talk out of your ass and then that shit comes back to backfire, you gotta know you gotta learn another way to go get those people. You need a you you needed somebody who was your face. You needed somebody else to approach them about the job. You needed somebody else to pitch you. Not you yourself, because nobody wants to hear from you. Because they know what type of person you are. Now you can go ahead yep. and write a million blogs talking about how this ain't this didn't happen, and, and some of it may not have happened. But the fact that it got out there, with I always say, if there's smoke, there's fire. So some of it might not be true. I don't give a so they, they be true. So yep. you know, I believe he, I believe he tried to get you to try to flash that big money. That they probably was going Damn, to you know, pay for the writers and things like that, but they wasn't buying what he was selling because he's not believable. You know, <laughs> he's not believable. He's a he's somebody that's going to bash some. He's bashing things, and then you expect these same people to help you. Well, guess what? If you wanted to people to take you seriously, then you should have took your what down to a couple of these, these black colleges, these other colleges, started gave up. Go to see the, the chair people of these things and say, yo, give me some of your best writers who's about to graduate and they need they want to get into the sports business and let them train you. That's what you do. You got to do it. Since you want to do it from the ground up, do it from the ground up, baby. Go but you can't do it from the ground up. 
ESPN. You're not going to ground up from ESPN, you know, because exactly. they're not trying to hear well, race, culture, and, and sports what, from, from his angle. Exactly, because right. he, like, you think ESPN would give us a show? No. They wouldn't. They're going to tell you, they're going to tell yeah. us, you're going to have to tone that shit down. So that would be the conversation in the back room. I mean, that's what it would be. Hey, you know, hey, you know what? You know, we'll give y'all we'll give y'all three million dollars. Three million dollars a year, you know, to do your show, you know, do it weekly. But y'all, you know, y'all can't talk about this, you can't talk about that. And then you start weighing money. Like a million dollars? Could I tone it down for a million dollars? Honestly, I don't know, man. I want to talk about what the fuck I want to talk about. Oh, like, talk I need, about. You know, I don't need the curse. It. I don't. I don't need the curse. I could tone I it down. You know but talking about but the I'll, things that we talk about, like this right here, talk Jason, what's the stuff that matters? It matters, man. Right. I'm not gonna be on television. Yep. Or be on the radio and just blowing steam in somebody's ear. Like, oh, man, they ain't talking that bullshit. No, when you tune in on this, whether you archive it or listen to it live, you be like, yo, they talking about some real stuff that you need to hear. And granted, you know, we all have a, a point of emphasis where we might sound like we long-winded or ranting. But it's just a point that we trying to get out. I'm, we never rant. We trying to get it right. out there because it's passionate. So when it's passionate and it's and it's and it's geared around sports, culture, society, race, it could never start out mainstream because mainstream right. is counterproductive to the black experience. It, it's showing you that on television. You can look at any television show and you will see the counterproductive of what you're trying to do. It is 2015. Them Cosby shows and different world, all that's gone, man. You missed it. If you, you know, maybe you got Netflix, you could, you could kind of uh, reminisce and, you know, you know, watch that and then come talk to me. YouTube something else and then come talk to me. They understand where we came from, but he know better. Whitlock know better. You work for Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, a straight up racist redneck. All right? And you left there and you went to Walt Disney. You went to one plantation to the other. And but he was, was already at ESPN. That's what I'm saying. You was already at ESPN. ESPN got right. rid of him before. ESPN, yeah, exactly. They got rid of him before. Right. And then you can't. You, right. Size and then you go back. 20 inch yep. neck. 20 inch neck pork chop <laughs> eating. Act like you don't have no damn sense. Go from ESPN to Fox back to ESPN. They say, "Hey, we're gonna give you a show if you can get some writers." You ain't getting no damn writers. Now, if they believe they was behind the show, they gave you access to some
Exactly. I'm I'm trying to get in the door. Yeah, you trying to break you trying to you trying to get your bones off. That's a good way to start. It may not be the best recommendation. It may not be the best recommendation. But it's a you started there and if you did make, you know, critically acclaimed stories, that's good. Let me tell you something, man. You come out of college and you land at ESPN, you are the man, you are the woman. Because ESPN is the pinnacle. That's the top, you know, in terms of media. You understand? Like, in terms of recognition. So if he would have went to a HBCU and snatched up some, you know, young aspiring mass communications or journalism or sports journalism writers and brought them and did the grant last, show them the business, show them what it is. Or even if he was smart enough to say, hey, you know, this is Disney, we still could do race stories. However, it needs to be written like this. It needs to be coming like this type of angle. Like, granted, we could, you know, like we could do that type of thing, right? We're doing it now. But see, look what we are. We have to YouTube, we got a Twitter, we got a Facebook. We got to do all of the non-personal things. It, this, right. Like the stuff that we talk about is really a forum. You understand? Like where we take questions and people are sitting in the audience. Like this is a panel discussion in reality because we all have diverse uh, experience that is related to sports and culture. And these guys that we're talking about now who – you know, we may criticize them at times for tap dancing, but they was already tap dancing when they got there. So they took exactly. those. You know, so, yeah, because it ain't like they, they you know, and, and, and very few do you see that, you know, they get their point across and they, they don't seem like they tap dancing. Like, you know, like Michael Smith, I, I don't think he's a tap dancer. You know, he's, you know, kind of you know, nose up in the air. That's the persona he portrays. Uh, Jamel, J- Jamel Hill. She has a, a, a very good um, persona. I don't see her tap dancing. She says what she wants to say. You know, uh, Jim Saunders, like on Sports Reporter, like he's a veteran. He's an OG. He know what he can say and what he can't say, but he never was a tap dancer. You know, right. so yeah. you got to look at the role models that have been presented and follow their templates. And, and look at Brian Gumble. Ah. Like, he was one. He started out, like, he looked like he was going to be on the – you know, tap dance thing, and then he flipped the script and was like, nah, man, you know, I'm going to talk about this, I'm going to talk about some real stuff. So, you had to respect Brian Gumble. You know, That's because he, had he, got act, he had to take his act to the HBO. He had to go he to a show where he, could, where he could be, where he could do the where he could just let loose. You know? exactly. He could be himself. You know, it's, 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 on a, it's on a premium cable station. Exactly. So he can do the stories he wants because it's cutting edge. And it's going to be on the left. That's what you got to do. You got to get... And that's what it's about. You know what I'm saying? You can't be like, well... ESPN already fired you. He knows this. He knows how they work. They already fired you. So if you wasn't coming back... back. back If you wasn't coming back like how Stevie Day came back and ready to kiss that ass to do whatever it takes to keep the jet coming, then... No, that wasn't going to be, they wasn't, we can't go and do something for you, you know what I'm saying? I'm angry at the system. You know what I'm saying? And that's just keeping it 100. Like, Stephen A ain't just, Stephen A came, but he got fired, he had a late night show, he had all that. He did, he did. They got rid of him. 
He was hurt. Yep. He was out there. He had to start doing. He had to climb his way back by doing. Um, he was on segments. He was on segments. He was doing. He was doing the Steve Harvey show. When Steve Harvey wasn't here. And he started doing that. Steve Harvey, was, Steve Harvey put him on like yeah, I was on filling for me on days I ain't here. You know, and people start listening to him again. It was like yeah, you know, we missed him. Now he's back to where he was, and now he that up. Now he he back uptown. So now he's feeling himself, and he out there issuing issuing threats for basketball players. That's the same thing you can expect from a Whitlock. I'm just a he will get in the door. He'll get in the door and do, right. get high, get high on a person, and then be like, you know what? Like I said, it's the it's the, it's the hip hop culture that's messing up sports. Instead, that's doing that. Explain <laughs> them young black kids that won't pull their pants out. It's whatever. It's, it's, this is how this dude is. So I don't blame nobody for not working because I would have a hard time working. The check would have to be would have to be incredible. And I'd have to have his check along with my check to work with him. So to work with him, like work. honestly, this is this this will be a figure. Like I'm 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 thinking about everything. Like for me to work with him, knowing what he has put out there and what he has presented, man, he would have to give me like five million dollars. You know, man, that that first year. I'm t- I'm talking about just to just to be in the same office. And and, uh, and 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 witness <laughs> his bullshit, exactly. and put and put up with because you know because the the type of personalities that we have, like yes, we are all personal, but at the same time, none of us tap dance, so we're not on the road to fame. You know, I would rather teach than exactly. be famous. Any day of the week, that's what you know, it's because, about. Right. because it's about reaching and teaching. Like the, the person who was on a fame, like fame is this. Fame is you have money while you're famous, right? And then when you're not famous anymore, you gotta work to get that money back, you know, and keep yourself famous. So then you wind up doing stuff that no, you no, know, typically you wouldn't have done when you was famous, for the most part, unless you played the game thoroughly. But for the people who chase fame. That's what you're going to get. At the end of the day, you're yeah. going to get an empty plate. Your plate is empty, man. And then you're going to have to do some sell some un- uh, unwilling stuff, you know, to, I don't know. And you still might not be famous. But somebody like Whitlock that's been around, the man is 48 years old. He knows better. He but knows better. Exactly. He came, he, in, he came in with the tap dance shoes on, man. He, he, he danced better than James Brown. You know what I'm saying? With his 20 years mm-hmm. neck. Yeah, you figure you got a bigger brain than that, man. But you know, but, <laughs> yeah, but, but that's what makes me mad about him because he's a good writer, and that's he what is I'm a saying. good writer. He's he a very good writer. good writer. I would never yeah. d- demean his writing skills because he's a very good writer. But the, when he veers away from the facts and he starts injecting, I don't know his opinion. Maybe he was one he's of the kids. Maybe he was the number 12 kid, man. You know how you might be, you know, want to play ball and you got nine people in the park and he's the 10th and you'd be like, nah, we're going to wait. You know, maybe he was one of them kids. All right. You know what I'm saying? You know, but, but he was the one that always you got out. You ain't got to get out, culture. Like he, he was the one that always got out in dodgeball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, please. He ain't got no, you know, but you know what, though? It's oh, the people man. Who are, skilled, who are skilled and they can write. You know, I, I ain't mad at them until they start, you know, um, 
taking their writing Talking for granted. nonsense. Because exactly. when you write something, yo, it's there forever, man. If you don't take it down, it ain't going nowhere. Same thing that we mentioned in one of the earlier episodes. Don't press send. If you don't want it out there, don't put it down. Don't say it. You know, even us, we have some control. But at the same time, knowing we can edit stuff, the only thing I'm really going to edit is if something is uh, staticky or you didn't hear what they say. I'm not going to take out a clip because I called, you know, some company, uh, a racist company, you know, like I want to go work for them in the future. And I, listen, that's not what we're aspiring to do. Like, you want to give us a check for us to be ourselves and stay ourselves? You want to help me clean up a show? Like, yo, give me some, you know, some guys who just, that's what they do. They do digital. Y'all do all this electronic stuff and digital board, and and we'll just talk and you know you know we got the cue cards and we got all that. If you want to clean it up like that, that's fine. But you can't clean up the content because the content is raw. The content is true. And it's fact. The content is factual. Factual. Content is educational. It's educational. And and come on, and and, you you can't dispute facts. It's hard to dispute facts. You're dropping facts here. What's going on? <laughs> What's good? What's good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's give a shout out, y'all. Let them know we here. What's going on, y'all? What's going we on, here. man? We here. Another week. Let's get to it. Take us in, Rob, man. Talk, talk, talk about oh, okay. Dr. King, Julius Irving. Yeah. Irving. Let's talk about the man, the legend, Dr. J, Roosevelt, Long Island, product, the TV, all that. That's the that that man right there. I think he's another one of those long list of, of players that we talked about so far in the last couple of weeks, who's definitely going to get a lot of due recognition. You know, I think everybody forgot he he was one of the first with the true athletic ability to do certain things. You know, a lot of people believe it's, it's Jordan, but you know, the doc. I mean, he he was that man. You know, he was the first. To do a lot of things, you know. He had the big deals too. I mean, he played in the ABA. He was like Hershey Walker to the ABA, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he brought mm-hmm. that money, you know what I mean. He came the league. They was built. They they was you know they had a lot of great players in the ABA. Don't get me wrong now, with Gervin, the Bobby Jones, and all those cats too. You know what I'm saying? But he brought the people out. He was Showtime, you know. He was the one man Showtime, and you know. He signed that deal with the Squares after he, you know, he left early in Massachusetts and went to Virginia and played for them for two years. And then he signed on with the Nets in the ABA. And you know, I think that's the only championship the Nets have is that one that he won that he won with. And I mean, we can talk about the dunks, the athletic ability, all that pertains to today's players. They all, from Jordan, everybody on down. They bit something from Dr. J. Absolutely. Taking off from the free levels, taking off from the free throw line, the ill, the power dunks, the ill finger rolls. Even though George Gervin is a man known for that, Doc used to finger roll too. Now he used to finger roll. He had it in him too. So, you know, he he had a repertoire. Wasn't he balled up at in the famous Rutgers, putting up numbers on cats. You know, he was New York City product. Don't forget that. They'll never forget that. You know? Right, so, right. 
So, I mean, I just think that, you know, Doc is one of the players that I think and over the course of time people have forgot. You know, people always talk about Magic and Bird, and then from there they go to uh, Jordan, and from Jordan they go to Shaq and Kobe, now LeBron. But I think people forget about Dr. J, you know, what he meant to the NBA before Magic and Bird got there and the things he did. You know, they, they was on his back trying to get them to carry the lead. People forget about He had to sneak a contract with Converse and all those type of things. He was in the movie. Uh, what's that? Right. Uh, Pittsburgh. What was the movie? He was the, in, fish, uh, the Fish that say Pittsburgh. 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 You know what I'm saying? That was just mm-hmm. like basically telling the ADA story. You know what I'm saying? That, that's how the, you know, I mean, he was doing it on another level before these cats started. To, that was he, 1979. Exactly. You know, he that's a that was one back in the black exploitation suit. You know? Right. He he got down, he you know, so I mean he contributed a lot to the game to today's athletes that a lot of athletes today don't know about and definitely need mm-hmm. to understand what he's done for the game. So, you know, I think we you know, we gotta definitely recognize Doctor J. It wasn't Michael Jordan who started off with taking off on the free throw line. It was the man with the with the soul flow, afro and you know, he should have probably he should probably be an emblem to the NBA. You know, he he meant a lot to the NBA. They they it was a big war for him. That that says a lot. You know, that says a lot for him. So you know, I mean, that's my take on Doc. But what do y'all feel about? It? You know, it's interesting. You say that though, because it's like, you know, when you look at Doctor J, and you look at, you know what exactly he did for the, um, you know, for the NBA. You know, when you look at Michael Jordan, like you said, Rob, he's not the same. He Without – Dr. J was Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan. You know, so right. when we talk about all of the, you know, all of these things where we're talking about shoe deals and all this other stuff, can you imagine what Dr. J would have gotten if, you know, he was playing in this time? So, you know, I think we need to be very careful, you know, and in, in how we um, how we label people, you know, as far as, like, some people say, oh, you know, Dr. J, he was okay, but he was this, but, you know, and it's just something is so foul about that, you know, because he did, he completely revolutionized the game. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. know, nobody say, I, like, he, I did not have the, the, the good fortune of seeing him play, but... From from what I've seen of him, the athleticism was just was crazy, you know, and all that he could do, you know, it was just he was doing things that people wouldn't even couldn't even think about. So for me, it's like the legacy of him is just innovator. Like that's the only thing that comes to my mind when I think of Dr. J, because he changed it all. He made it possible for there to be a Michael Jordan. For you know, for he told us about the shoe game and the converse and, you know, and, and, and being cool and styling and taking off from the free throw line and the baseline, scoop, layup. You know, these are things that we learn from him. So, mm-hmm. you know, everything has to start somewhere, and it started with him. And I agree with you, Rob. He should be the emblem. I'm not taking nothing away from Jerry West, but let's keep it all in perspective. This guy completely changed the game. From 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 the things that what what he was doing, he 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 changed it. So, you know, I think um, I, I'm not really sure why he doesn't get the respect either. You know, I think it's 
I, I think I just find it interesting that certain players don't get the don't get the respect that they should, given what they've given to the game. I always find that interesting. And then you have other players who have given a lot to the game as well, but it's always pushed to the forefront. But I don't think that I think that's done by design, obviously. So Damn, you know, son. you gotta you gotta question that. It, it's just it's very interesting to me though as to why we don't see him as often. You know, we see him at All-Star Weekend, you know, uh, judging a dunk contest. But I'm like, damn, Dr. J, he, he, he's only good enough to, to judge a uh, dunk contest? Like, we can't mm-hmm. use him in a consulting capacity? We can't use him in a player personnel, player development capacity? That's mm-hmm. a little odd to me. But, you mm-hmm. know, when I think of Dr. J, the first thing that comes to my mind is innovator. <laughs> like, straight <laughs> up, like that. Right, right. That's it. That's it. Wow. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. That's hard to follow up on that one. I mean, y'all, y'all broke it down. I guess, you know, for me, I always start off with um, numbers for the people out there who, mm-hmm. who do listen. You know, he had uh, like 30,000 30, 30, plus points between the two uh, leagues. His first five seasons were uh, professional basketball in the ABA, as Rob mentioned, uh, Virginia. That was seventy one to nineteen seventy one to nineteen seventy six. He averaged twenty eight points a game and twelve rebounds. Okay. And um his rookie season was seventy one seventy two. In April of nineteen seventy two, uh he was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round with the twelfth pick. He declined to join the Bucks and he stayed um he stayed in the ABA. And, you know, the irony is if he would have went on that team with the 72-73 team, you know, he would have uh, ended up playing with Kareem and Oscar Robinson, you know, and that would have been a a very uh, tough team, you know, to beat, you know, and that would have been coming off the heels of, of the uh, championship team. So the championship team had won in 71, so they would have been like a year removed from the championship. And, uh, you know, Kareem, mm-hmm. Dr. J, Oscar Robinson, you know, that would have been tough, so – I don't, you know, uh-huh. you could, you could, you, you, I don't know, for all the conspiracy people out there, like the championship would have stayed in Milwaukee for a little bit. You know, that's, that's easy to say. His NBA career average was 22 points and six rebounds. He went to the all-star game every year of his career between the ABA and the NBA. He never missed the all-star wow. game. That should tell you wow. something. Wow. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then, um, let's see. In 1985-86, now remember, y'all just talked about everything that he had. He had the shoe deal. He was an ambassador. Uh, remember, he was a, a perennial all-star. He already had, you know, won a championship. Um, he had stock in the Coca-Cola um, uh, soda plant. He had, this, had the Converse deal, was doing movies. His 1985-86 salary with the Philadelphia 76ers was 1.485 million. 1,400,000 was his yearly salary. And Mm -hmm. um, it tells you, you know, you give millions, you give multi-millions to the game and you get like percentages of, you know, they, they was really grossly underpaid still, you know, even for what they brought to the game. So look at it like this. If he was making 1.4, Going out because he was that was his last season was eighty six eighty seven so he was going out with that and Jordan came in in um, eighty four eighty five season making three million it shows you 
where the league was going. You know, like they were making more money, but they were still keeping it, you know, at the point where, you know, you still had to uh, really work outside uh, of the game. And I guess, Sarai, this will answer your question about why they don't get they don't get props uh, after they uh, finish the game. You know, outside of the the ageism issues that we have, you know, in this country where, you know, new is supposedly great and old is, you know, old school or whatever. Like, until we stop that division, old school, new school, you just got to recognize greatness for what it is. Dr. J mm-hmm. came in the league in 1971. You know, I was born in 1969. So, granted, you know, at like three, four years old, I was able to really recognize uh, some movement. You know, like who's flying up and down the court and who's jumping and who – you know, guys like Dr. J, you know, they draw you to the TV screen because, you know, mm-hmm. this guy's high flying. He got an afro. Man, I lived in Harlem at that time. We had afros, man. Dr. J looked like me, okay? Well, I looked like him. So, you know, I'm going outside. You know, I'm trying to touch something, you know, touch the pole on the gate. You know, you you know, we small. We can't touch no nets. But we jumping, you know, get ready to break mm-hmm. our neck. He's <laughs> trying to be all athletic. And he was a people's person. You know, he was out there. But this is this is the uh, language of tells you what's going on in the world of sports. October twentieth, nineteen seventy six, he was sold by the New York Nets to the Philadelphia seventy sixes. That's the mentality. They are commodity stocks. It doesn't matter if you Michael Jordan, LeBron James, uh, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, whoever. You can be bought and sold and told what to do. And if you don't play the game, after the game is finished playing you, you just disappear in, into the background like any other multi, right. uh, you know, multi-level superstar. You know, Kareem's, uh, mm-hmm. Will Chamberlain, anybody anybody could fade to, to the background. You don't have to get mm-hmm. the limelight after you're done. You know, you're either going to play the game or you're not. Magic played the game, you know, he smiled in front of the camera, you know, he embraced, you know, everything. Uh, you know, as it come out later, you know, he was really kind of cutthroat. But, you know, you can't be, you know, plus Doc was a real, was a real person. You know, he'll tell you how he, how, how he really felt. And uh, in the same respect as um, like a Muhammad Ali, like mm-hmm. no matter, no matter what you tried to do, you wasn't going to take away his greatness because he was what he was. And you could, you know, they threw him in jail. I'm talking about uh, Muhammad Ali. But, you know, Doc, they tried to, you know, mom and scandal and things like that. But that's the old, the, the whole syndrome here. You know, you try to rip a man down from the pedestal that you created. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we are. But his legacy is solidified because, yo, he did fly for the foul line. He was in the ABA. The NBA would not have been what it was if it wasn't for the mm-hmm. NBA-ABA merger with Doc being one of those key pieces. He played, yeah. Yeah, you got to look at it. He came in the he came in the ABA in 1971. The NBA was in trouble at that time, and they tried. You know, they put him in the draft, the territorial draft. Tried to take him into the NBA. He said no. Doc said, "Nah, I like the ABA. You know, I like the crowds. I like the fan fans. Right. Uh, I'm sure they were making pretty decent money in the ABA." Nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, I'm for him. His first contract was clear. He only made 125,000. Oh, twenty-five thousand in nineteen seventy-one. Eh, that's not bad. I mean, as a, but you know, what was it was interesting is you said when he went to the Sixers, he made one point six four, but he had just made a mill 
signing on with the, they had to up his contract to a million in the ABA. So he didn't make that much more. He was actually, you know, he only made a couple more thousand, really more. Right, right. From the ABA to the NBA with that contract. So, you know, he was, that's pretty, and, you know, and when players look at him as the ambassador, he was like an ambassador to the game. He is considered the ambassador to the game. You know, they love mm-hmm. him. He like he likes the Billy D. Williams the best. You know what I mean? He's so smooth. Yep. He cool. He was smooth, man. Yeah, yeah, he's so commercial. Exactly. So, That's what I was. Yep. He, was he, he wasn't no live, rah, rah, you know. He was just, he was a smooth brother. Smooth. You know what I mean? Everything about him, everything about him gives off class. Like, he does everything. I mean... He was one of the first cats showing up at the All-Star game with the Knicks on and all that. He showed, he was killing them. You know, that was just, <laughs> he was just too, you know. Everything about him just, his whole style was New York. You know what I'm saying? But it was that cool, you know, he was one of them true New Yorkers. Yeah. was cool. You know, they don't, they wasn't bragging, they wasn't boasting. He knew where he was from and he wrapped it, you know, in a, in a, in a nice, in a, in a professional manner. That made people uh-huh. be like, yo, you know, like one person said, Bobby Jones said, he was the first person they knew by just one name, doctor. They ain't saying, right. they just called him the doctor. Cause, you right, know, he, right. He was just out there performing on cat, you know? So, I mean, he, his dude is, is definitely underrated as far as, you know, his value of what he did to the game. Because at that time, the NBA was hurting. They had yeah. great players, but they didn't have the dynamic player like this. Who could, right. you know, you look at Kareem and Oscar Robinson, those are those are great players, but they wasn't electrifying like this. That's why, now can you imagine, like last time we talked about Oscar Robinson, imagine if Oscar Robinson had more flips in his game. You know, instead of just, <laughs> instead of him just being a straight fundamental cat, who was killing you. If he had some flair to his game, he had the highlights, you know, doing stuff Doc was doing, then his triple doubles would have been magnified. But it wasn't. It was was a quiet, huh? It was a quiet, you know what I'm saying, way he did his thing. But the way Doc played was so electric, you had to take stock and notice of what he was doing. You know what I mean? Right. So that's crazy. Very true. I think about a I think about a story that I had heard um on YouTube and it was about it was World Beef Free. He had he was telling the story because you know he's from Brownsville and he yeah, got, he got yeah. drafted by drafted by the Sixers and he used to uh, commute to practice um from you know Brooklyn to Philly you know it's only like an hour and change to get there so mm-hmm. you know like an hour and forty five minutes so he's on the highway they they late for practice Doc is sleeping in the car. So he gets pulled over on the highway, and the cop asks him, like, well, well, why are you speeding? You know, like, what's going on? So he said, hey, you know, I'm on the Philadelphia 76ers, and I'm trying to get to practice. So, the, you know, the cop was, you know, you know, basically, you know, trying to clown him. He was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm I'm, a rookie. I'm I'm, I'm world-be-free. He said, oh, you world-be-free, huh? You know, he, like, he was really gigging on He said, nah, look, I got, I got Dr. J in the car. You know, he, he sleep right here. So, the, you know, the officer looked in the car, and he said he saw it was Dr. J. He was like, all right, y'all hurry up. Y'all get to practice now. Uh, you know, you'll be safe. And he, he woke up later when they got to practice. He told Doc that he got him out of a ticket. And he was like, I, I was sleeping. He was like, yeah, you know, you still was able to get me out of it. And that tells you. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so she, you know, like it's like if I'm in a car, anybody, you got a supercar in the car, like, uh, you know, it's Doc, man. Like that's the cachet you got. Yep. You got Doctor J. I mean, I, I can't, I can't even emphasize him playing in the seventies. What he did, you know, looking at him on television or looking at him live, you know, to mm. go up to. I know you see those pictures, uh, you know, that might be posted every now and then of him being in a rucker. Like, if you was in a rucker in the 70s, it wasn't like a crowded ballpark, only when certain people came by, you know, and right. it was a community type of park. So, yeah, that was real when you see uh, people sitting on the gates and on top, of, you know, looking down from the roof of buildings. You know, right. Dr. J was here. You know, Will Chamberlain was here. You know, Kyle Hawkins was here. Like, you know, but yeah. you could ask any of those guys, and they're like, yo, Doc was Doc was a bad fella. Kareem. Kareem, you know, when he was doing the retirement tour, Dr. J, in 86, when he ended up in L.A. and they gave him the rocking chair, Kareem did the speech for him because he's from New York. And he gave out straight that to him. Like, hey, man, this is one of the heroes of our sport. There's actually a documentary called The Heroes of the Sport. It was on Netflix. Anybody that need to um, check it out. It's pretty it's pretty interesting. It got, you know, it got Doc, it got, uh, like, Joe Hammond and, you know, like what happened to these guys, and they was going into the whole historical aspect of you know New York City basketball. I mean, it's a, it's some real good stuff out there for people who actually uh, want to learn the history yeah. of the game. Like, it's so much information out there, and like we uh-huh. always keep repeating. Look at the guys who we've just touched on in the past two months. Between all of the episodes, this is episode thirteen, lucky number thirteen. You know, we. We we talked about so much stuff, stuff that people don't even want to talk about. But we have no choice because of, you know, where we come from. Like, we're all uh, former athletes, uh, students of the game, watch game film. I mean, you know, like, Sarai, like me and Rob, you know, we spent, like, hours. Like, we used to watch ball, like, oh, all the time. Like, <laughs> we, and we're not watching it as fans. Like, we're watching uh-huh. what's going on, the dynamics, certain plays. We see the really? momentum coming. Like, a certain play would change the game. We'd be like, oh, it's over. It's a wrap. You know, and yep. growing up and, and looking at, you know, looking at these guys who we talked about. We talked about Michael Jordan. We talked about Kareem. Oscar Robinson, Isaiah Thomas. I mean, when you talk about dudes like that, like these are game changers. And Dr. J mm-hmm. changed a decade. You understand? Like yes, he didn't. Sir. He was the seventies. If you want to say Bird and Magic was the eighties, Dr. J was the seventies. Because Dr. J was the man. He had sneakers. He had. He was doing soda. Uh, he had uh, movies and. He was he was just the man. I mean, you know, Doc. And then when you see him in the city, you know, when he come home, or if he go out to Long, you know, Roosevelt, Long Island, or he was up in Harlem, like you could you could roll up on Doc, you know, get an autograph. He'll talk to you, man. You know, tap you on your head, you know, because you were, you know, I'm young buck in the seventies. This is this is a six foot seven man. You know what I'm saying? He's not a little guy. You know, he's going to tap you on the head, hey, young blood, you know, because back then it was young blood and young buck. and <laughs> You know, you didn't even have a yeah, name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, little man, every little man, you know. You know, you say, they see man. you on the court. Yeah, you're on the court and, um, like, older cats, like, who did play ball. Some of them you don't even know. They was really nice in the game. You know, they walk up on the court. They show you a couple of pointers. Hey, nah, do it like this. Do it like that. And 
you know, they might hit like, you know, eight or nine shots in a row. And, and as a kid, you sitting there like, well, who was this guy? Who was that? Do you see that? And he's one of those guys. Do that no more. They, yep. they can't because they don't, they don't understand the history. You're never going to be a student of anything if you don't know the history of what you're trying to learn. You can't just step right. into something yeah. and, and yeah. expect to learn it on the fly. Oh, I think I could do it. You could think you could do right. anything, but if you try to do it and try and fail, you're, you're nobody. You're nothing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you just can't do it. I mean, Dr. J, you know, uh, up at Massachusetts, University of Massachusetts, you got to understand this is a New York guy going up to Massachusetts, the University of Massachusetts, mm-hmm. Amherst. And Amherst. It don't get it don't it don't get too much whiter than Amherst, man. I could tell you that right now, man. All right, yeah, you talking, right about about early, talking about the early seventies, okay. all right? We were at sixty because he went up there in sixty nine. He went up there in sixty nine. So you got to think about it. It was turmoil in the, in, in America. It was uh, you know racial divide. It sounds familiar to today, actually. Same thing, but on a, on a deeper level because Jim Crow was. Still, kind of, in fact, you know what I'm saying? Like we weren't that far removed from it, so we got this 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 big black man up in you know Massachusetts, and and he's just you know dropping numbers, and he he wearing an afro, and he chew gum, and he's personable, right? And you know, and he's not you know it's not some arrogant dude, like he's a, a people's person. And they respected him, you know, and he did his you know years up at UMass, and he got up out of there, went to the ABA, and if you if you want to be straight about it, you know the ABA was really like a black ball players league. I mean, you know, straight like that. It, it was more court ball because you know it was up and down. It was just like how they played in the rock, and he, that was something he was familiar with. He could just get up and down, use his athletic abilities. And what people didn't realize is that his athletic when he got to they was like, yeah, you're doing that in college. But then he gets to the ABA, he's doing the same thing. He's still thinking right. on the ABA. He's dunking on Art, Artist Gilmore. He's dunking on all these cats. He's hanging in the air. And right. He's just coming out and of play. Like, oh, that's what it is. They, yep. they looking at this like, oh, shit. He's doing the same thing he did in college. Like, yeah, dude. Uh-huh. Ain't that change? I can still play. Right. You know, I can play. It's, you just think right. I'm, lo- I'm a rookie. You know? Right. My location right. changed, but my game ain't changed. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. I'm still doctoring. I'm, I'm the truth, baby. You better check it out. And you know, these are, you see, you can see by the work he put in, you know, in his first playoffs in the ABA, he's putting up numbers. He put up numbers. Right. He was putting up numbers the whole year. I mean, they didn't grant. They didn't play too much defense in the ABA, but it didn't make too much difference either way because when he got to the NBA, he still was putting up numbers. It was right. Right. I mean, it, it's not like he wasn't playing against. Exactly, it's not like he wasn't playing against the same players. He don't play.
they wasn't used to seeing no big man with no handle bringing the ball down, jumping from there near the foul line, doesn't he? That was like, right. no, he ain't even, he not even seven feet. He's six seven doing it. And uh-huh. his ups is ridiculous. So, I mean, it, it, it's just a shame. You know, he only gets recognition at all-star time. And, you know, in Philly, I know they, they got mad love for him. But, I mean, I think all over the league it should be more for for the doc because the doc has contributed a lot to the game. Man. Like, like I said, you know, he did a lot for the game as far as showing cats how to get that bread and how to be professional at getting that right. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like, it's a big difference. You can get money and be a and be an asshole, but he was getting money and being smooth about it. Like we can name about fifteen of those. We can name about fifteen exactly. guys who getting money exactly. and they assholes. Exactly. exactly. You uh-huh. know, he, yeah, he got he got his money and he did it with class and dignity. You know what I'm saying? Same way Kareem, the Oscar Robinsons did. It. They went about it in a different manner. They 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 knew they was talented. They knew they was special, but you know. I'm going to give. I'm, I'm getting. It, I'm doing it with a, a professionalism on you know, not so abrupt. Yeah. I mean, and, I, and don't get me wrong, because I definitely support the young boy. I, I get. It, I, I understand. I get it. They got the chip on their shoulders, but you still got to do some things with class and dignity. You know what I'm saying? You got to be more professional. They got to learn to be a little more professional. That's the truth. Yeah. They definitely do. You know what that's, 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 you're right about that. You know, and that's where Doc come in with. Where you don't have to bring it. If you don't feel, and I don't know why you would feel that he's not a good basketball mind, but you should be able to have him as a consultant on how to show cats out once again, like Kareem and them. Be professional. This is how you do it. This is how you go about handling your business. Make sure you have the right people around. Make sure you're doing the right thing. You know what I'm saying? And this is what you're using these guys for because they've been through the league. They have the experience. They have the knowledge. They've been great. They know how yep. to be great, and they can show mm-hmm. you how to even be greater. They can show and that's you why, exactly. That's where, and that's where you get cats like the Robert Griffin, and then when they don't listen to the other black athletes, whether you believe Dominic McNabb was great or not, that's the best debatable. I think he was great. I thought he was a great player. I thought he could, he had a lot to offer to you. Some people may not believe that, but he's been through the situation. So that's what you need. That's what you need the old heads to bring the young heads through the, through the game and show them certain things that they don't have. What is the Michael Jordan legacy? MJ, <laughs> MJ. Like, I'm, first, I'm going to start off with his legacy. MJ, in my lifetime, is going to be, I'm still going to say he's the greatest player that I've ever seen play. That's bottom line. I, I'm 48, and I'm, I'm still sticking with MJ because that's how I believe it. He done it in college. He did it in the Olympics. He done it in the pros. He's a winner. Can't not be in a winner. He's a winner. He's a true champion. He won. Bottom line. Can't take that from him. You know what I'm saying? Love. He killed my Knicks. I res- I still respect the game. I, I just I can't, can't deny that. I love the game. I love basketball. I love what he do on the floor. Everybody that's playing right now, they all give it up to MJ because of what he's done. He's basically done it. He showed you how to get the money. He showed you how to stop letting the NBA pimp you. The NBA can't use, he couldn't use his likenesses. They had to pay him for everything. That's right. Pay me. Pay me. You're not going to use it and get me nothing for free off of me. He got Ewing. He got Barkley. 
he got all them cats to start doing the same thing, you know. So I mean, he's a businessman. That's right, he is. He got he, he handle that business. That's what you gotta do, you know. When he he sacrificed a lot in his first years when he played. He didn't get he wasn't getting the big contracts. He let the other players get the big contracts. Then at the end, when he had to come back, they had to pay him. That's right. You got to pay me now. Now I need that bread. You got to pay me. I'm selling out arenas everywhere. I'm the number one. Damn, I'm the biggest boy in the sport. You know what I mean? <laughs> got to pay him. So to that, everybody started getting paid. All of them. So you can't, I mean, his his effect on the game changed everything. The way they, the shorts, the way they look on the court, the way cats mm-hmm. walk, chew gum, cats when he got bald heads. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that he ain't put his print on on the game. I don't know anybody who's done that. Nobody's done that. Nobody's done what he's done. He changed the game. He's how the game, okay. everything ain't faster to it. Now, you want to get into sneakers and all that? Come on, man. This is, this is business. This is business. At the end of the day, if you don't want to buy it, don't buy it. You know, right. if they want to spend two hundred and fifty, right. if they want to spend two hundred and fifty dollars, that's on them. But you it's know, it's the same shoe. It's the same. But it don't shoe. matter. Polo sell the same. Polo, polo sell the same. They still buy it. Very true. Very true. They, they still buy it. They sell the same. They go on sale. They sell the total yeah, Jordans. They go on sale. Total Jordans. I buy all it my Jays on sale. I buy all my Jays on. See, you know me. This is 89. Since you know me, you know every I cop Jordan all the time. I've been wearing Jordan. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. No when doubt. He, when, no he, doubt. When, he was, when he was killing the Knicks, I was still wearing Jays. That's what I understand. Jays. And you know I didn't saying? understand. So, <laughs> it don't matter. Them shit was good sneakers. I'm a sneaker collector. I love sneakers. You are. You, sneakers. Yeah, true indeed. You know that. You know I collect sneakers. I'm a sneaker collector. That's what I do. Right. So I love this. I don't mind buying the Jays. Even now, when I buy Jays, I don't buy them for two hundred and fifty. No, of course not. But if somebody out there wants to buy them for two hundred and fifty, that's their prerogative. If you don't want to buy them, you don't buy them. That's the great thing about living in America. You don't have to do nothing. He ain't forcing nobody to buy them. He putting them out in cash. Want to buy them? If you don't, if you if you was if there wasn't no line out there, he wouldn't sell them for that. They wouldn't be going for that price. You know what I'm saying? But supply and demand, economics. They out there, cats want them. If you want to save your money, you want to buy them. You can't blame him because somebody got robbed for their sneakers or somebody get killed. Nah, yeah, I wouldn't thing. do that. I wouldn't you do can't that. blame him for that. That he has right. nothing to do with that. That's Why he Krebs never speak said. up on anything, though? He never speak up on anything socially he conscious. But he, everybody's not going to speak on everything. Everybody's not an activist. Then, right. what, what your man said, you a Tupac fan, ain't you? Ain't you a Tupac yeah. fan? All right, what's the man Tupac said in the, on, on that Machiavelli album? He said he had to get his money up, right, to go to war. Yeah. If Jordan wanted to make noise, he got to get that. He got to get the war chest right, baby. He got to be up there with the big boy. <laughs> money, his money, new money compared to these cats with the old money. He got to build the war chest. You can't just be out here talking all crazy. You ain't got nothing, no, nothing to back you up. Money ain't money. Don't stop bullets. So at the end of the day. He got to make sure he got him on. He can't be out there just talking crazy. You know what I'm saying? He's a threat because he got money. Cats like Jim Brown, 
They laugh. They, they laugh at them. Hey, you ain't no threat. You a joke. They, 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 they don't respect Jim Brown. He throwing chicks off balconies. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and then, you criticizing George? Come on, man. I ain't trying to hear none of that. You can't. You cannot disrespect the fact what he's done for the game and his business. I mean, he in Nike brand. All them the top people that work for him, they black. He hired black people. He and all of them are presidents. All the presidents in Nike and his Jordan brand, they're black. That's what he does. He hires black. So he's doing something, but he ain't doing it the way y'all you want him to do it because he ain't a loud talker and he ain't a, in the front saying, yo, stop doing this, don't do that. That don't mean they ain't making moves in the behind the doors. Doing other things to empower blacks to get wealth. We gotta look at that too. We can't just look at right, yo, he right, ain't out right. here talking about that. You know, so that's why right. I, right. Yeah, that's, true. I, that's why I go in on cats because for the simple fact they only see one thing and then everybody jump on the bandwagon or oh, bike ain't doing nothing. Then who else is doing anything? I don't see nobody else doing nothing. You keep making it seem sound like, well, because he's not speaking out, they that's a problem. That's Everybody don't talk out. That's not everybody's character. You, it's not, it may not be his character. You right. know what I'm saying? That's, that's not who he is. That's being socially conscious. Now, granted, like I don't consider throwing your jerseys on the court being socially conscious, but in today's generation, they do it different, man. Everybody do it different. Because if we, the, for every time we bring up a Jim Brown, somebody always talking about, you know, he did coke and he had white women. Like that got anything to do with social activism, but he gets thrown under the bus. So you can't criticize the the Clippers, because I know I did initially. Like, yo, what is that? Throwing your jerseys inside out on the court. What type of protest is that? Sit your ass out the game if you want to really make a dent. But then once you right. do things like that, you're a rap, man. You get blackballed. It's over. Okay, so, can't do that. Jordan, are we... But the bottom line is this. You saying that Michael Jordan... More his everything that he does is more towards business. He, yeah. you know, what I'm saying it's not a social thing for him. He's not in the social realm. He's more into the business realm. Just like his school of public ambivalence. That you know, what I'm saying where he mm-hmm. focuses on the empowerment of blacks and Africans through business instead of social and public activity. So he's doing his role through another venture, through another way. LeBron is doing it through education. He's doing his through business. So you know, what I'm saying. It's a different levels to what you can do things for. It don't always have to be noticed. It don't have to be on the advertisement section or everything that you're doing something. So he's doing things, but we did everything we may not know about. So you know what I'm saying? This so, thing he's doing. So, here, so here's a here's a list of Michael Jordan's uh uh contributions. Boys and Club Boys and Girls Club of America, Catch Care, Charitable, Jackie Robinson Foundation. James R. Jordan Foundation, Kids Wish Network. Those are a few things just listed under his uh, mm-hmm. his uh, name and, as he's he's giving charities. In, and you could throw now, in I his, don't know his, what his school of public ambivalence. Okay, okay. Like I said, man, everybody want every everybody wants celebrities to stand up and scream and rally, but at the end of the day, some people got to make their point in different ways. That's not mm-hmm. everybody ain't gonna do their thing the same way. LeBron can do his thing through education. Jordan is doing his thing through business. That's what okay. it is. 
Respect that. You know what I'm saying? That's what it is. He ain't going to, you know what I'm saying? I don't have a problem with Jim Brown, but I got a problem when Jim Brown stands up and criticizes people. Says, man, when you got skeletons, you need to sit your ass down and be quiet. You know what I'm saying? That's my, that's my point. Don't, don't start trying to throw people under the bus when your ass was used to be up in the room with Richard Fry sniffing coke. Ain't nobody going to take MJ's spot. I'm saying that. Anybody wants to pay me, call in. I'm ready. Whatever. Man, look, I, I I have no disrespect to Will Chamberlain, no disrespect to Bill Russell. I ain't never seen none of them play. Dude I seen oh. play was Michael Jordan. You saw That's Kareem, it. though. I saw Kareem. And, you know, Kareem is definitely one, one B for me, but I just like no, MJ. Bro. That's me. You know what I'm saying? I like MJ. MJ, my, MJ, my <laughs> there you go, Isaac. Isaac did his job. You made him call a one B. You know what I'm saying? He got. I mean, you can't dispute. You can't dispute Kareem. I mean, Kareem. You know, they both from New York, so you know I'm gonna show them both love. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But no, you don't know what the fuck you're doing, bro. Then you ain't coaching. Then you are, you're a manager now. Coaching is different. Putting pieces on the floor to play together, coaching is different than trying to get players mm-hmm. to here so they can fit into it. And you're trying to control the system. You're not coaching, but you're trying to tell coaches what to run. Like, you're trying to, tell, you're trying to hold Hornacek to this corner like you got to run some variation of the triangles. Fuck the triangle. Nobody want to play in that shit. Ain't no Jordan, ain't no Kobe, ain't no Shaq, ain't no fucking Pippen, ain't none of that shit coming. No, no, they made the triangle look beautiful. You ain't gonna make the triangle look beautiful with the piece that you got on the Knicks. That's just it. You don't even know the kind of players you got. Carmelo Anthony is not that kind of player. He's he's flourished more under Mike Woodson's system, even though it was a lot more isolation. But you can have some motion in it, and you got the right players. It works for him. Like, you got to get other players around him. That You know what I'm saying? And you didn't do that. You didn't bring in no other players around him to help him. But you're trying to run him out. Meanwhile, you're the one that should be ran the fuck out of town. Like, you should be gone. You're not, you're not worth the money you've been paid to do. You robbing, you robbing the Knicks. You robbing the town. You ain't doing what yeah. you're supposed to do. You can't get meetings with free agents. You can't do shit. You washed up, man. That's what it is. So don't try to fucking run. You trying to run. You trying to run. You trying to fucking run Carmelo Anthony out of town to save your fucking face for the dude that you drafted. Fuck out of here. Take your old ass and get the fuck out of New York and beat it, man. We don't need this shit. We need somebody who's dedicated to New York, man. He's not dedicated to New York. And if you're a Knicks fan, you should know that. I'm tired of hearing Knicks fans talk about. Yo, man, we, Phil ain't doing shit. Stop talking to me about Phil. I don't hear shit about Phil. Phil ain't doing shit for the Knicks. I'm not angry at that. I'm angry at the all. system. Fuck that. I'm not waving my no trade clause. I'm not going no fucking with. I'm staying here. You'll be gone before I'm gone. Fuck that. I ain't going nowhere. This is where I'm going to be at. Fuck that shit. Don't let them run you out of town. Fuck that. I'm glad Cleveland was like, no. I'm glad the owner didn't want to pay, you know, don't want to help LeBron team up with his man. I'm glad for that. Good. You better cut that shit out and get the hell out of town. <laughs> yeah. Word yeah. that shit. Yo. Yeah. There's a lot that can go on. But IQ is oh. actually a skill. That's something that you cultivate and you grow, 
Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to okay. say. Okay, so then I think that's part of the problem that, you know, like Rob said, and what you have always elaborated on, the kids are being given too much too soon, especially when they're, they're coming up in the game, Pop Warner and when they get to high school and things like that. So if you're not if you're not um, learning the game and understanding why you're playing, you're not just playing because it's fun. Like, we always keep talking to the kids, oh, you should have fun when you play. Yeah, you should. You know when you have fun? When you know what the hell you're doing. Because when you don't know what you're doing, the game isn't fun. Because I can tell you something. When a kid gets put in a situation out there on a football field or on a basketball court, and they're put in a situation where they don't, they don't really know where they belong and what they're doing, well, you know what happens to that kid? That kid gets knocked over a lot. That kid gets run over a lot. They just look lost. And it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to the parent. It's humiliating for the kid. And all we really had to do was show them the game before we let them get on the field. Now, realistically, you know, you got to, unless you're one of the top 1%, you know, we talking about the, you know, who, who's, who was the top ESPN guys, like the Harry Giles of the world, or I just used like Jabari Parker when he came out. You know, unless you're, you're one of those kind of dudes, Wiggins, right, um, you know, unless you're one of those kind of dudes, call Anthony Towns, you know, you're you're kind of in the mix of everything. So your job is, is to find the best opportunity, all right? Aside from mm-hmm. those kind of guys where it don't matter what their grades look like, i.e. Derrick mm-hmm. Rose, like, they going somewhere. It don't matter where, mm-hmm. you know. So we're not talking about them. Those are the exceptions. You know, that those are the exception, not the rule. Right? So next next thing in line, you want playing time. Playing time is what matters. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Okay? Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> so, so you gotta say it again so so people can understand. This is the most important part of where say you're going. Again. Please say right. it again. Listen. People, parents, student athletes, I don't care what sport you play. I don't care if you're bowling, you playing pool, whatever. Whatever. If you're trying to play on the college level, the, the first, the next important thing, aside from academics, if you're not in that top 1%, is playing time. You want to play. That is the point. No one can see you if you're on the bench, right? So, you know, Sometimes you're in a situation where, you know, if you're at a school where you're in a neighborhood and it's not, you know, it's it's not um ideal, you know, and, and you may want to put them in a, a different school, a private school or whatever the situation is. I'm not even talking about that, okay, because that's more of like a, a safety thing and whatever the situation is, right? So we're not talking about those people. We're talking about the normal, average, run-of-the-mill peers and, and, and households where you're at a school good to average, you know, whatever. You want to play. Sitting on a bench, does, does no, it does no good for you, right? So, you know, when I hear people, it just it drives me crazy when I hear people say, I want to go to a private school because I want more exposure. That only works if you're going to play, right? Because then it's <laughs> like it's counterproductive. So if you go to another school, you take your kid out, of a potential good situation for them to play, you know, and, and be able to, to prosper and improve and, you know, play on a regular basis, you take them out of that situation, you put them into a private school. Now they're not playing or their minutes are being jerked around. 
Now you got another problem because now you're not playing now, you know, and then you happen to be a junior. So that's really not good, right? So you really have very few things on, on film, okay? No one cares about what you did on JV and the freshman team, right? I'm going to just keep it 100. No one cares because at this point you're a junior, you know, maybe a senior. We want, they want to see what you're doing as a senior, you know, not when you were 14, you know. So playing time, that matters. Like, I don't know how many times to say it. I don't know. I don't know if y'all, if, if a lot of people think it's just, you know, people talking and it don't matter. You cannot go to a private school or any, any I guess, quote-unquote powerhouse school that you think is like a powerhouse school where they have a lot of players that go to, you know, all, all of these Division One colleges or whatever the situation is. You can't piggyback that, all right? I'm going to just keep it 100. You can't piggyback it because if your ass ain't playing, it's no point. Only the people who's there and that's playing, they go in the schools. You sitting behind the person that's sitting behind them. How is that helping? All right. So yeah. listen, playing time has got to be. It got to be the focus. You got to You got to yeah. Like I don't care if your team is trash. I don't care if y'all go zero and sixteen or zero and eighteen. Whatever the situation, y'all getting smashed every game. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is you coming out and you balling, no matter what sport it is, you doing your job. That's it. That's the only thing that matters. You do your job, colleges is going to find you, all right? Don't believe the hype. Everybody tell, oh, I got to go to this school to, so I can be seen. No, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, and if you're, okay, let's say you're a basketball player, they going to find you. You're averaging 25, 22, you know, 18, 20 points a game. They going to find you. All right, so don't believe that. Just do your job. Don't worry about all the other stuff. People got too too many people in their ear, it, you know. People watching too much TV. I don't know, but uh, it, it, that's not the way. So, so the only thing you should be concerned with is playing, sit, hmm. playing and getting better. Case closed. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Rebates. Upgrade fee may apply. Exclusive numbers on the T-Mobile Network. See store for details and terms and conditions. Listen, listen, hey, listen, man. listen, man. These are these are two known teams that choke. Anything can happen. They both <laughs> yeah, know that's, that's, that's harsh, bro. You said they choke. That's what it is, man. That's harsh. Listen, man. If you ain't won, if, if you ain't won a championship in 108 years, and I'm a team ain't won a championship in about 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Listen, man. listen. I'm a Yankees fan, bro. That's how it is. This is what it is. You know, I mean, so anything can happen right now. The both of these teams are known. Look at that. Cleveland got a man on base. Anything right, can happen. Right. Home run right here. Anything can happen. Right. Game. A home run stays the whole game. Can That's true. A home run shot right will chase, chase the whole game. They, they spent a whole lot of money. That hundred million dollar pitcher didn't come through. Didn't come through. Well, well, well how many teams like they really have? I mean, they had Kershaw. After that, what? You can't put it all on, you know, on his hey, back. You can hey, 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 check this out. Check this out. You going to oh. pay $100 million to somebody? I don't want to hear about nobody else. Oral Hershaw was the only pitcher back in the day. And he was winning. Mm-hmm. He, 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 every, they may have lost the series, but he won three of them damn games and almost won four. He definitely No, he was unhittable. So, I don't want to hear that, bro. Right, because at the end of the day, if you at the end of the day you pitching, at the end of the day you're pitching. Right, you're pitching. So, so it's not a matter of 
you you left the game, you pitched the you pitched you know seven eight innings, and then your bullpen gave it up or whatever. Yeah, you, know, you, you wasn't even you're doing that. Runs. You weren't even, even doing even that. Him, well, they was actually back, back then. They was they was going seven to eight innings, like starting pitches. I mean, I don't know. Recently, they, they came you up a with a pitch count. You pay a guy hundred million dollars and he can't get you to the eighth inning. Okay. <laughs> that was Dave Rose. Okay. I noticed that um, there was a little there was a little uh, flack on uh, the gymnast. She didn't put her hand over her chest for the uh, national anthem. You know, pledge allegiance mm. type of thing. Mm. Let's get into that briefly, you know, because we're only on here an hour tonight. The midweek report is basically to, you know, catch you up to up to steam. So we roll into Saturday. You know, we're talking about something entirely different. But um, Rob, bring us in with that real quick. To hold your hand true. over your chest for the national anthem. Yeah, do or not to do? That's some bullshit. Get that shit out of here, man. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like really? Come on. That's that's like. She was standing up there. I mean, I didn't know that was like, I didn't know that was part of the regimen that you had to stand there with your hand across the chest. I didn't even, I didn't even know that until, until somebody though. I think my daughter told me that last night that it was on Twitter and that uh, they was uh, going in because she didn't put her hand on her chest. Like I'm like, really? I'm like, who cares? I'm like, I mean, she stood there. She was on. She won. She. This is a person who's won. Who won last? Who won last Olympic gold and things like that? I mean, this isn't no newcomer, dude. I mean, this is. I mean, that's this is just so stupid. Every, you know, it's like tit for tat. Everything nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, a black person didn't put their hand up to the league. I mean, that 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 girl. I mean, all the criticism she's been taking for her hair, all kind of foolishness. I mean, it's just something else to pick at her. I mean, she doesn't even look happy to be at the Olympics. Like, you can't even enjoy your moment because people are just looking for little things to pick at you. I mean, I just hey. think it's just bullshit, man. It's just a bunch of bullshit, really. It's, it's mm. crazy because I was, I was on the thread last night. Um, I think I had posted something, and I was like, man, you know, these girls are killing. And, you know, it was like... I felt like it, it seemed like the whole during the whole you know to me watching the the, the USA uh, the gymnasts and stuff. I just got the feeling that it seems like the announcers and the media type you know personalities seem to kind of have pushed her to the back. Like I, I and I, I said it yesterday because it just seemed like you know now the agenda not that it's not not that it's not warranted. But it seems that the agenda now is to push Miles to the front and push Doug back. And it's like, it's like that way, kind of like splitting them up a little bit. Because to me, watching it yesterday, watching it um, Sunday, it just got, it, it was like every time they talk about it, it was like, yeah, you know, she, you know, yeah, you know, not like, you know, she was before. And, you know, Miles is like, you know, she ever. And, and it was kind of like it was just so much, you know, of 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 minimizing of Gabby Douglas. And I'm like, you look at it, I'm like, the girl is only twenty. She's still twenty years old. You know, they they treat her like she's like thirty eight years old. And I didn't. But even you know, know that's this. how you know that's how it goes in the gymnast thing. It's like a model. 
They like you when you're young and cute, but when you're old, yeah. they, they put you I'm out like, the door. So, you know. And Bob's 19. Mean, I'm like, it ain't like she's that much younger. You know, she's not like I mean, Amanda's. Amanda's a 16. So, I see, I, but I'm like, I, I, I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing. I saw oh, exactly. it in the middle ceremony, but I, like, the only thing I wanted, because I was like, oh, you know, I was like, I said to myself, like, was she supposed to? Because the rest of the girls were. Exactly. I, I, I didn't, like, I, right. I, I wasn't like, either. oh, man, why is she not? I was just wondering, like, was that something she was supposed to do because the rest of the team was But I didn't know it was a whole big thing. And now I'm like, really? It's a whole big thing. Y'all talking about our hair. Y'all talking about, like, it's, it's like, what's good? You know? So it, it's just, it's always something for somebody to talk about, I think. It's always, you know. You know <laughs> They always Honestly. love a new thing. Whatever, whatever's the new thing they love. So, you know, Biles is the new thing and, and deserving the show. I mean, she's she right. the truth. I've watched the whole thing. I've watched yeah, the gymnastic yeah. part of it with my with my kids. And, and I she's mean, killing. She's, the truth. she's killing. She's killing. Yeah. I mean, like, she's the truth. I mean, Gabby, you know, she, she was, that's why I said it doesn't look like she, you know, doesn't look like she's happy to be at the Olympics. It looks like, it, 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 you know, like, she feels some kind of way, maybe I don't know, but it just she doesn't have that happy look on her face like she did right. when four years ago. Years ago, so yep. you, you know, so I mean I don't know, but you know she still came out with a goal and she still got a chance. She's gonna get another opportunity to compete for another goal. So I and mean, still, just and, do your and thing. Right, and she's still, you know, like she's still, you know, in the team spirit and, and you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, you know, I read something somewhere and people are like, oh, she seems like, you know, she has an attitude. And I'm like, she's not off to the side. You know, they come off, they come off the mat. She's giving hugs and she, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's still rooting the team on yeah, it. Yeah, she's, still, she's like, still a team so, player. Yeah, I'm just like, I, I just, you know, I, I was really kind of turned off with, with, with how, you know how she's being treated, and I I, I wasn't really feeling it. You know, because I was like, nah, that's not cool. Cause... Got... Huh? I also feel like she got jerked too. So, right. Or right. So, on the right. floor, on, not, not on the floor, on but the... in the all around, like she could have made joint. she could have made the all around joint, but she was third right. and lost by like and like now, mind you, I I mean the other girl, she stumbled on the beam. She didn't do anything. She, she right. was strong on the beam. That's and what I was saying. They gave her, and they still gave her, they still gave the other girl more points than her. So I was kind of like. Make a sense to the and finals. That, and, yeah, and that, that ninth or whatever it was, that's what cost her. Like, and, yep. you know, she was actually stronger. So I didn't get that. You know, I felt like she got good. Okay, so it's not me so, then. You know. Okay, so it's not me then. Because I was like. I'm not like a. I'm like, look, I'm not a gym, uh, a gymnastic, not. But like, if you're just going by that, and I'm like, well, I was stumbling a little bit, you know, you know, and they kept talking about the school. She only needs this to beat this, and then I'm like, really? So I, I thought it was like a way to kind of like push her off. Let's let's push, yeah. let's elevate, let's let's get these two out there. Let's let's hold her back there, and she can compete later on for, you know, one of the other goals or something like that, but let's let's push these two. So to me, it, it just seemed obvious to me, you know, and maybe that's me being, you know, my eyes open and paying attention to everything, and it's not, you know, everything is not what it seems, you know, um, but 
I, that's what I got. That's what I got yesterday. And I was like, yeah, it just kind of seemed weird. It seemed like they just kind of like, they offer her, like, you know, we, we on to something else. We got something new. She got new support. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't feeling that. You know, I wasn't no, I feeling that at all. It ain't true, because we was over here watching it and saying the same thing in my, in my house. We was like, hey, what's what's you know, we, yeah, we, we I, said I, it was kind of <laughs> suspect. It was kind of suspect. You know, it was definitely kind of suspect. But I didn't. I don't have I no like problem the team. understanding them. I like. I, I like I the team that they that they put together, though. I like the yeah, team. Yeah, it's a strong team. Um, that team is incredible. It's yeah. a strong. It's a very strong team. Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, yeah. Gabby Douglas has. You know, she's been there before, been around the block, and um, I, I commend her. You know, because I don't know why she didn't put her hand on her heart and anything like that. You know, I played sports, and I never put my hand on my heart, you know, um, exactly. to pledge allegiance to the flag, you know. And sometimes I, you know, I, I did, live here. Sometimes I did. Yeah, but it wasn't. I, I live here in America. There was times where I didn't even, I didn't even, I wasn't even upstairs with the team during the national anthem because I was like, fuck that. I'm not pledging allegiance to shit. You know, I live here, but I don't have no choice but to live here. I can't go nowhere else. I don't have family in Africa, so you can't tell me to go back to Africa. And you know we're going through a lot of bullshit here in the United States, okay? So, but let's let's keep it out of the United States right now. Even though we're fucking minimalized, marginalized, maybe she don't want to um, salute the fucking flag, okay? She's representing her country and yeah, bringing goals and bringing money. Look at the conditions over there. She's probably upset because you're 20, you can't even fucking hang out. You might get beat up. Walking around in Rio. That's one of the poorest countries in the world. They can't. I've seen a video where they got little kids out there like robbing people broad daylight. Getting people. Oh, oh my God. I, I would be kind of I upset. Mean, the, the, the basketball team is staying on a fucking boat. They're on the yeah, water. They're them. not even trying yeah, to go out amongst the people. Nope. I wouldn't. Because they're robbing people yeah. in broad daylight. You might have to knock out one of them little dudes that's running up on people. It's but poor you out catch them first. Yeah, you got to catch a couple of them. You can catch a couple of them. But, you know, you got long enough legs. You six, seven, six, eight, you can catch one of them. Have you seen the same video I've seen? Good luck trying to catch them. You You know, the ones on the bike, you ain't catching the movement. There's a whole bunch of them out there. And and it's like sudden movement. You know, they they snack stuff, and then, you know, by the time you turn, your knee be done snapped out of place or something. What? That talk is real. Listen, man. I'm gonna tell you I've this about patriotism, up, man. I don't. I don't have an issue. I've seen them cell phones off people in the bus. Yeah, off the yeah, bus. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was off crazy. The the cell hey, phone. That's crazy. It's crazy out there. The water just um, turned green in the pool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna ask you. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yo, yeah, you probably probably have foot feet. Uh, your feet rolling around in the water. Let me ask you a question, though. Seriously, because think about it. When the Olympics come on, it's like the way that it's pushed you know, onto the, on television and everybody's patriotic and, you know, it's respect for the country. And then, you know, you could, have, you could be sitting in the bar and, what, racism is supposed to end? Profiling is supposed to end? Uh, you don't. You know, you don't have issue with me because, you know, we're all uh, competing for these gold medals to put our country on top. I mean, I think it's a bunch of bullshit. Like, I used to watch the Olympics. Like, I watched it, you know, because those are – I got to give it to the athletes. They work extremely hard 
they only these games only come around every four years. So my anger is not even towards the athletes. Like so, as somebody pointed out online, um, David Hall he pointed it out online that yeah we should support the athletes regardless of the politics that's involved. Now as I, now after I support the athletes and I tune in and I want them to win because you know shit they work hard. Not to say that somebody from another country didn't work hard, but I don't know them. They're not on my TV. I don't know anything about them. So I do like to see competition, though. So if it's competitive, that's why I like gymnastics, because you don't know what the hell is going to go on. I love gymnastics. And, you know, the, those landings mean something. Shit, they, the way that they landed off them beams, man, I probably twist my ankle about five or six times just trying it. You know, but how can I forget what's going on in the world today? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, I can't block that shit out now. I'm in my 40s. I can't block out the reality of what's really going on. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm on the public transportation. Like, I got into it with a, with, a, with a racist the other day. Like, he had to get my palm print on the back of his neck. Like, yo, it's real out here. You're not going to call me a nigga. It's 2016. I don't give a fuck what you see on TV. So... When you really think about it... True Sports Talk gives you a behind-the-scenes look into the world of sports from an alternative angle. The facts, opinions, truth, and realities presented by the host are not always consistent with mainstream culture. We are live Wednesdays from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Saturdays 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time at blogtalkradio.com forward slash true sports talk. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash true sports talk you can also call us into the show at 323-870-4628 and press one to speak with the host true sports talk we We give give it to you straight straight. hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.